Should we start the show then? Yeah, let's begin the show. Actually, Commence. before we start the show, real quick, you were trying to remember. You said you've seen three films in the cinema this year so far. You no, make... no, Adam I said, said that. that. I said that. But you did. I've a... definitely seen two. In the... I feel oh. like there was a third in January, but I can't be sure. In the mood for love, triangle of sadness. Yeah, and you can't remember a third. No. Okay. But Adam's making me doubt myself. There must have been a third. Well, you'll have plenty of time to go to the cinema when you leave oh. the. F- Dave Handready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 356 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I had intended to start the episode in terms of our physical recording of it in the studio um, earlier than usual. I was very insistent upon it, Craig, wasn't I? I was like six, six o'clock. Craig went to work early, got off work early. And what happened? Um, you were late. You were late <laughs> to the studio. I was Ten minutes late. Well, yeah. second after Adam. But um, yeah, you know why? Go on. Because just when you think you've got all the answers, I change the questions. That's why. <laughs> Keeping me guessing. I knew I should have ripped the bandage off and just left the show. But no, there's this weird mind game thing going on as we move closer and closer. It's true. To... It's true. Okay, look, uh, what I will say <laughs> on this No Encore Music Podcast, I'm Dave Hanready. He's Greg Fitzpatrick. Adam oh, yeah. Shanahan's here as well. Hello, everybody. Amidst this turmoil that we currently face, I will say, Craig, I found myself clinging to the warmth of familiarity today. Okay. When it was announced, and we all will welcome Nata Rogers and Sheik back to Ireland for another Excuse gig. Me. Oh yeah, did you not see this? No. Marty Park is, is in June. No, it's a kaleidoscope family-friendly festival thing down the country somewhere. Okay, okay. It probably has been a few years. I mean, have they played? No, it hasn't they played last year? Oh, did they? <laughs> oh, I, I, I've done the fresh number crunching. Okay, go ahead. So, how many times since 2000? And this is my, my, my data is gathered from Setlist FM, so it's possible she can now Rogers played here before 2009, but for some reason that's where it starts. Maybe that was the inception of this. Since 2009. exception. She exception. So here's the thing, right? Since today, we've done this before on the show, but obviously it's changed ever since. And we've had COVID to deal with, so um, all you know, all, all, all bets are off really when it comes yeah. to. Uh, how many times Nile Rogers has come to Irish Shores to perform a, a funk disco entertainment show. So how many times, dear listener, since 2009, do you think, uh, offices full of people gathering around the stereo right now. Yeah. Um, on a postcard. <laughs> how many times have Nile Rogers and Sheik, this upcoming show, mm-hmm. what number of gig will that mark for Nile Rogers and Sheik in Ireland? You can both guess. Since 2009. Since 2009, at least that's when Data is uh, telling me that he first played here. I remember this quiz, qu- question question <laughs> in years ago. I feel like we're slipping into a quiz. That's why it was playing on my mind. Um, years ago, this question arose and I think we were close to getting the right answer. And back then, I feel like it was around 17. So now I'm going to go with 26. Adam? I'm going to go 30. This upcoming show will be Nile Rogers and Sheik's 30th gig. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in wow. Ireland since 2009. Adam. The National have an upcoming show in the Three Arena in September. How what? many times since, since 2009? <laughs> since 2002 in Ireland. Apparently that's the first thing they played. Island of Ireland, of course, yeah. this is all applies to. Uh, how many, this upcoming gig in Three Arena in September for the National, what number will that be? For the national, not not Rogers. I, I don't think they've ever played in the same bill together, okay. knowingly. Okay, two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go twenty-five. Craig, I'm gonna go 
15. The answer is the upcoming show by Matt Berninger and the National in Dublin will be the 38th national Holy show. mother of divine <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> it includes festivals and stuff, but yeah. They're here all the fucking time. Oh my God. <laughs> like, you look at other bands, like, say, I don't know, like Dillinger Escape Plan, like, you know, oh, maybe three, three. three or four, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. three best, or four yeah. or five chances if you're lucky. I mean, and of course, bigger names as well. Like, I mean, Madonna hasn't been here since 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while for Beyonce. Well, what as we well. really need at this stage to spice things up is The National featuring Niall Rogers and Cheek. That'd be an amazing mashup. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, but will either of those acts feature in this week's top five, Greg? What did you choose for us this time? Oh, yeah, I've gone with um, another absolute banger, Dave. That's a good one. Week. Top five bad songs on classic albums. Mm-hmm. Um, apropos of absolutely nothing, but me thinking it might be a good one. Um, yeah. yeah. Haven't done it before. We've previously done songs we hate by artists we love, but and I didn't think there wasn't yeah. much intersection, I didn't think. So, um, yeah, these are the kind of the ones you would skip on otherwise... Um, you know, favourite records, classics that have something just marring them. And how did you find it? I found it tricky enough, but in okay. the end, I'm very happy with the five I've chosen. And they all have a, not all, I guess most of them have like a, you know, they're kind of personal ones in in, in the sense that I'd have a relationship with each album, I think. Yeah, yeah. Know? I kind of went the same. Um, yeah, yeah. It was good though. moments that scared me as a child. How do you define a classic album? We can get into that later on. But for now, um, just to note, obviously with the show kind of taking on new life uh, in the future, uh, please get in touch. It's noencoreshow at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with any feedback to the show whatsoever. Thank you to people who've written in so far. Yeah. Uh, we're also on patreon.com slash noencore if you want to import the, support this important, uh, well, what am I even saying? Support this creative endeavour, independent. work that we're all doing. It is important work, it I is. think. It, it is. is. It definitely is. People love it. It's a lot of work. Patreon.com slash noencore if you want to help us uh, keep the lights on. Appreciate it, of course. And, you know, you can just hit me up on fucking Twitter or whatever, Instagram. If you want to talk about the show, I'd like to hear from you if you're a listener and you like the show. There is still a future, despite Craig breaking my heart. <laughs> there is still a future. There is and still the a future. future. Is bright. Is it though? I don't know. Yeah, it is. But for yeah. the world in general. <laughs> Why do you think I'm wearing shades, Dave? That's true. He isn't. Um, um, all right. So um, let's. Is there anything else before we go? No, I don't think so. Okay. I had a very pleasant walk here. It was. It's grand stretching evenings. Did you I see mean, the BAFTA much... awards and that weird rap thing that uh, that actress did? Oh, I haven't seen that. Was it's not it, good. Was it worth <laughs> watch? No, maybe watch it in real time. I, I don't saw know. the dead end of the show, and um, yeah, just it was Alison. What's her name? She's very good. Co-hosting with Richard E. Grant. I don't know. Um, who. She's on this morning. She does all the like hilarious interviews with. Oh Ryan yes, Gosling she did the interview Harrison with Harrison Ford years ago oh, and cracked him up. Was Harrison it Harrison Hammond? Can't remember her name. Is that right? I don't yeah. know. I didn't watch it. But Richard E. Grant looked petrified. <laughs> I thought he was going to be like smooth as you like, casual, and yeah. like he had this rictus grin on his face. I'm just like, oh, he was still like affable and lovely, but I'm just like, I'm glad I haven't seen any yeah. of this. That Ariana Dubose, Dubois, I don't know how to pronounce it. She won the Oscar Dubois. last year, I think. Is it Dubois? I, I don't think, I don't Dubois. think it is. She <laughs> did, I think she's in the West End at the moment in the UK. I could be wrong. But she did this bizarre intro number, this kind of rap about all the women nominees. And it was just cringe as fuck. And there's been like a lot of fallout discourse from it. And it and, no, say uh, it ain't so. It's very bad. Like, you know, Angela Bassett did the thing was the big kind of like, you know, takeaway. It was one of her lines. It was okay. very... Jesus. She referred to Kate Blanchett as Blanchett Kate <laughs> for, for the purposes of the rap. Oh, like, no. it doesn't work. Did she say comma? That would have been good. No, I don't think so. Blanchett, I don't think comma, so. Kate but if you like Blanchett Kate, uh, you'll be glad to know, listener, that I'm bringing back now popcorn pretty soon. <laughs> what a segue. Incredible. Arguably one of the best we've heard on the wrap show. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
wasn't that good. Uh, I'm bringing back No Popcorn, the uh, film and music related offshoot of No Encore that hasn't had popular demands. Apparently so. Well, that doesn't work at all. Tar, Lydia Tar. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing an episode on Tar. In cinemas now, Kate Blanchett, a revelation in the lead role. Um, unfortunately, my regular no, no, no encore, no, no popcorn people won't be with me because Higgs is incredibly busy with live stuff, as is Norma Howard. So I'll have to draft in some new people, but don't worry, they'll be very good. That's coming in the next few weeks at some point, hopefully sooner than later. But for now, let's go. <laughs> Start spreading the news. Busy week. Let's start with the only thing that we like to talk about, rugby. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there was a rugby match last weekend, Craig. I know. I'm in a, a Six Nations fantasy league. Are you? Kind of against my will. I was like... You're yeah. the last person. I it's think. like a work yeah, yeah, thing. against your will. I was guilted into it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you not win the World Cup sweeps? I did. It's in a different my, sport. Yeah, in friends group, but it's yeah, a but he's mad for it, isn't he? Not, not the rugby world cup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad for it. Yeah, and he'll flutter. Yeah, yeah you know what I'm like <laughs> down the bed, running away, like holding money in your hand, like fucking Charlie Bucket with a golden ticket. Um, but um, yeah, no, I was I was not doing well. We, I know you don't really care, but I'm going to tell you how I'm doing. Jesus. Um, okay. So week one, I came bottom of the group because I didn't know how to pick a team or any of the players' names. Should have got Cullum involved. He knows about rugby. Well, week two, I was like, I saw I was kind of flagging and. I was like, I'm not going to go down without a fight. So I read a blog written by Mike Tyndall. I I read a book, like an entire Homer Simpson-esque reading glasses situation. I was home from Belfast reading this Mike Tyndall thing of like, all his hot picks. And like, I just drafted them in and I came second. Congratulations. And I forgot about it last weekend, so I'm probably back to Anyway, okay. that was my update. Um, more Thanks. to come next week. Um, yeah, there's rugby uh, this weekend, I believe. It's not a sport I really follow, I have to say. No. Um, but there was uproar, uh, so to speak. Ireland downed the French, but the French outdid us in one way because it turns out they're, they're better at creating an atmosphere. But I ask you, what atmosphere could possibly come close to this? landlords everywhere (laughs) (laughs) I'm raising your rent Uh, I'm not fixing that mould in your room okay so uh, what a song right I mean uh, the Irish Times did a very Irish Times I I, have to say this is you were all over the story this is a tremendous idea for an article I have to say the Irish Times um, polled their readership Mm. and said what songs should we sing in the stands to, to combat the French essentially yeah because they're so good at singing I guess they're a national anthem which is a bit of a banger the Marseillaise yeah it's great by the way we've had Ireland's Call played twice on this show within the space of about three months I would say possibly uh, less definitely featured before as well elsewhere and probably in the top five like yeah. worst Irish songs or it something. is I think it was a Paddy Stay special at one point yeah 
Yeah, we played it for the sports app with Richard Chambers. They got lots yeah. of uh, reader comments about this, and yeah. somebody said, um, Michael Keane from Mayo says, great rugby song, There Is An Isle should be the one. It's great, inspirational and swirling, whereas Ireland's Call is like something a 10-year-old child might compose. I mean, that's fair. There was a lot of, uh, I'm just looking at these comments now, a lot of... Um, Songs being recommended and then people using the phrase, it's a great air. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these are all comments from people who were into the Irish Times. I have to imagine the Irish Times knew what they were doing here. They're comments being like typed by shoulders draped in like Argyle sweaters. Yeah. Heyday by Mick Christopher. Is that a song to sing in the stands at the Aviva? A lot of these ones are very, not dour, but just melancholic (laughs) to... I don't know. What else we got here? Feels Vat and Roy. I mean, I think that's in use already. The Wild Rover, Molly Malone. Whiskey in the Jar. I mean, imagine a bunch of rugger heads singing Whiskey in the Jar. <laughs> like, what? I don't think so. Um, what else? It needs to be, yeah, Feels Vat and Roy. Raglan Road. Um, U2's I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think that was like some wag being like, oh, because we haven't won the Rugby World Cup or whatever. Um, someone said Lipstick by Jedward. I presume they're taking... P- Zombie by the Cranberries. <laughs> like, yeah, what the hell? The first comment was my favourite just purely based on like the sign-off of like... Um, it was someone saying, bring back Molly Malone. And then it just goes, Trevor Cobb, Alicante, Spain. <laughs> just like from the holiday home. <laughs> uh, some guy said anything by ACDC. Now, this was my favourite. This was one of my favourites, right? So this... Again, the, I presume the question was a fairly simple one that would have been, what song would you sing to raise the atmosphere in the Aviva Stadium. I assume it was something like that, you know, short and simple. Yeah. Mary from County Dublin said, we have sold our souls to corporate hospitality and beer. <laughs> and beer. The true supporters who don't need singing lessons are being squeezed out. Ireland worked well for years. Just look at passion and decibels at GAA matches. It's getting preferable to watch in peace on TV instead of the endless stand-up sit-down to facilitate boozy rugby illiterate yokes. No song in there, you'll notice. No. Jesus. Unless it's implied. That um, sounds like boozy rugby illiterate yokes. This is a big thing that people have been complaining about lately, about people going to the bar quite often and disrupting the sanctity of the rugby match, Craig. All I know is if I was at a rugby match, I'd need, I'd need to be fucking drowning in beer to get me through it. Uh, but I have to say, winner of this was... Dynamite, like... <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you when I was in Drawdy years ago in a, in, a, in, a, in a pub and some guy went to the bar and it was during an Ireland game and he said, um, two pints of high now, please, and a long neck bottle for my woman. Oh, what a no. That's, that's what you're dealing with, right? I feel like I'm going to need to, I'm gonna need to you know, <laughs> censor that. <laughs> no, 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 that's what he said. That's a direct oh, quote. God. Did you just go to schools that played rugby or anything? Not like really. My school did, and they were quite good at it. But like, There was a rugby team in my school, yeah, but I don't think it really amounted to much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But seriously, like, let's all hail Paddy Murta from County oh, Dublin, yeah, yeah. who said... Go. We should all sing Party Hard by Andrew W.K. and pretend it's 2001 all over again. Now, do you know what was especially Rangers. weird about that selection, Craig? Well, you captured the zeitgeist on I the uh, Irish did. Airways. <laughs> 24 hours previous to this article coming out on the Irish Times website, I was on News Talk yeah. with Anton Savage, right, talking about songs that make you happy because there was a new study in the University of Sheffield that this is how to write a happy song, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I was asked to submit a few of my options. And I was like, here are the first five that came to mind. And I picked. <laughs> no, that was that was send the summer. Check that it out was a listener it. suggestion, though. Of course, now I picked um, "Got to Give It Up" by Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Uh, "Build Me Up Buttercup" by The Foundations. "Your Love Keeps Lifting Me Higher and Higher" by Jackie Wilson. Uh, "Biology" or "The Promise" by Girls Aloud, right. the paid biology, which led to Anton Savage being like, "This is quote saccharine muck," he called it, and I said on national airwaves, I said, "Girls." Oh, Aloud- yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's why I'll never be on his talk again. <laughs> I said, You're just a stand-in. Where's the other guy? No, I said, um, I said, girls that have uh, as good a singles run as the Beatles, and he looked like he was going to kill me. Incredible. But of course, work. in between my my number four selection, and to my shock, they played this on fucking news talk. You were concerned that they weren't going to play it as they well. They played yeah. "She Is Beautiful" by Andrew Tremendous. WK. That is amazing. Uh, Bravo, which is sir. the greatest song of all time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they didn't play the middle eight. I should I should isolated the section. Oh, but still, man. again, he was like, "What are you on about?" But Andrew WK. The next day, in an Irish Times article, what's happening? In That's fact, one of those is weird. He, is, he, is he still touring and all that kind of stuff? He should be taking advantage. He of got this married, wave didn't he? Of publicity. He got married to Cat uh, Dennings, that actress, and really? they seem very happy together. They watch wrestling together. That's a lifestyle I'd, I'd approve of. You know, oh, good. Yeah. For, there was, of course, there was that conspiracy, wasn't there, that he died and he was replaced by another Andrew WK, a la the. Avril Lavigne thing yeah or he was he was never really a real person he was just an actor and he was constantly being replaced or it was the whole yeah smoke and mirrors thing it goes deep there used to be it wasn't quite as far back as like GeoCity sites but very <laughs> like very kind of rudimentary websites that yeah, would have yeah. pages and pages devoted to this insane theory and uh, you, I made, you made some of those websites didn't you Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was behind it all, along with the Paul is dead stuff. Yeah, behind it all, like fucking <laughs> Christoph Walton, <laughs> Spectre. It's me, they James. They seem like a cool couple. Me, James. I'm, I want some content to do with him. The author of all your pain. Um, so we have lots of news stories here. What should we do next? What do you think? Um, let me open my running order. My phone is not recognizing not my face. This out, Craig. <laughs> Don't you dare, sir. This is the magic of the show. We've got Eminem. We've got... Do you a, want to go Gorillaz movie down? There's a Gorillaz, a Gorillaz yeah. movie isn't happening. There's apparently. a Gorillaz movie. Well, there was supposed to be a Gorillaz movie on Netflix, but um, it's not happening. Netflix strikes again, just with cuts and like... They did a new interview, Gorillaz did, Damon Albarn, and they have a new album coming apparently, which means nothing to me. Yeah, um, it's, um, it's called Cracker Island. Great name. I'm like not <laughs> great name. hopeful at this point. Um, he was asked if the film had been permanently suspended which is a hell of a way to put it. That reminds me of the uh, when John Cena told yeah, the live crowd. You knew I was going there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> I think about that sentence. I'd say at least once a fortnight. Do you know yeah. this, Adam? When uh, Do you know that? You must know. We must. I'm about to know it. So oh. uh, we can play the audio after uh, I, I reveal this, but John Cena, the hulking WWE champion, uh, he... Not the Hulkster. No, no. That'd be a, a much more problematic man on the microphone <laughs> and in life in general. <laughs> it, must, it must be said. Um... John Cena, however, a much more all-American man. He, uh, I think, he won the title back from The Miz or something at like an Extreme Rules show. The and Miz, there's a throwback and a half. He's still going. Actually, The Miz played in the uh, NBA Celebrity All Star Game last weekend and scored an insane, uh, like three would have been a four pointer in this match, but the buzzer had just gone, oh. and they didn't count. It's a celebrity game. You got to fucking count it. It was ridiculous. Really anyway, gross. so. John Cena wins the belt and I guess goes backstage and the news comes through, much like the newsroom episode that Osama Bin Laden has been, you know, uh, shot at point blank range in front of his family. Yeah. And basically... Um, <laughs> that kind of humanises That's Laden. a Stuart Lee joke. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Lee is literally... Right, yeah, 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 we saw that show together. Fucking yeah. <laughs> hell. Because he says it in such like, he's like, and of course, you know, Osama Bin Laden was shot at point blank range in front of his family. It's yeah. like incredible. And they just threw him in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. suspicious there. Go to my GeoCity site. <laughs> Yeah. That was another thing on that aforementioned, we talked about last week, the Matty Healy podcast. Again, oh, yeah. when I was like, there were parts of it that made me laugh. Another part that made me laugh was when they were talking about Buzz Aldrin. Remember when Buzz Aldrin punched that guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the yeah, guy was yeah, like, yeah. the moon landed didn't happen. Moon. Yeah, yeah. And Buzz Aldrin like, just punched this guy in the face. And one of the hosts of that show said, I'd love to have seen Osama bin Laden live long enough to like go up to a guy. And some guy's like, hey, 9 11 didn't happen. And he like, punches <laughs> the guy out. And I was like, just the surreal, insane imagery of that. <laughs> That's the stuff I found funny, just to clarify. All the bad misogyny, the racism. racism. No, that yeah. was bad. Yeah. That, that, that 
wasn't good. saying that sentence yet, yet again on the show. I feel like I just need to be, you know, you, you need to clarify these things. You do. You don't want people to have the wrong impression of you. So here's the thing, right? Um, what was I talking John about? Cena. John Cena. John Cena, yeah. yeah. The news had just come in. John Bin Cena. Dead. Yeah. So, yeah, the news had come in. It was filtering through the world at that point. Bin Laden's dead. But all these proud Americans at the wrestling show didn't know this yet, because I presume smartphones weren't as advanced in 2011. Was it 2011, I think it was? Thereabouts? Um, yeah. And again, we can get the audio here. We can play it. But, like, he must have walked backstage, and somebody must have been like, quick, quick, get back out there and inform the crowd. Because obviously... the pop. <laughs> he got one? I mean, like... Yeah, of course. Because, of course, rah, rah, America. Like, you know, here's... You know, like, it's a wrestling show. Who, who's the biggest heel of all? It wasn't fucking Kane. It was, in fact, Osama <laughs> Bin Laden. So, Cena goes back out and picks up the microphone, and everyone's like, oh, what's he going to say? And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, I have just received word... And you have to understand that WWE at the time was a PG show. Mm-hmm. Don't you, you can't use the word killed. You know? Can't say murdered. Yeah, this isn't the it, attitude error. You can't say folks. murdered in cold blood by six men. You know, he never had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. Freedom fighter has been that. <laughs> Remember the hot press thing? <laughs> oh my God. Hold that. Yeah. We're getting into hold that, that after. Yeah, hold yeah, that yeah, in the yeah, chamber yeah. for a second, right? So, because oh <laughs> it was insane. So, Cena gets on the microphone and says to the live crowd, um, who, who are children in the crowd. And he goes, um, ladies and gentlemen, I have just received word that the uh, armed men and forces of the US military or whatever have tonight for you caught, no, captured, and compromised to a permanent end, <laughs> Osama bin Laden. And you see everyone looking at each other being like, compromised to a permanent... What the fuck does that mean? And then people start figuring it out. And Cena's like saluting the crowd at this point and there's rah-rah music playing, and everyone's cheering, like cheering the, the, the death of this man, the violent murder of, of, the, of, of the head of uh, Al-Qaeda, was it? Al-Qaeda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, it's been, it's, been, it's been a while, as Aaron Lewis might say. What happened to those guys? Aaron Stained. <laughs> <laughs> Can we hear the Cena audio, please? I walk out here every night with hustle, loyalty, respect on my sleeve. That is a credo I have adopted from the men and women who defend the freedom of this country. We have caught and compromised to a permanent end Osama bin Laden. All right, so yeah, um, very patriotic altogether, and I mean, just genuinely surreal. And I've I've made this gag before, but I'm like, wouldn't it be mental and hilarious, and you know, in a darkly comedic fashion, if say you had a sober news, sobering news correspondent, you know, standing outside like fucking a hospital in Dublin, being like, tonight, you know, seven men were compromised to a permanent end when such and such tragedy befell them. Um, language, everybody, it's a strange thing, it but is. fair play, he thought on his feet. You have to say. But what a phrase! I can't believe it hasn't Do you caught think on. That just came to it came to mind. Like it, it had to. There was no time. Wow, there was genius. no time. The, yeah. Like like the, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? But anyway, so he can you the use maps then? You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really knew how to improvise on. Uh, can you explain the hot press thing? Oh yeah, so the hot press annual. Um, I guess yeah, twenty eleven. It would have been um, every year. Of course, you ha- would have a page devoted to like the biggest losses the in biggest memoriam, kind of, the most yeah newsworthy kind of passings of the year. 
Um, <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> it was the following year, and I was going through like stuff just to. to do, I was working on next year's kind of going through some annual. Stuff. <laughs> I was going through the previous edition, um, just to kind of get structure and stuff and see which sections needed to be done. And I remember coming across the <laughs> in memoriam of the 2011 Hot Press Annual. Full page. Full page. Photographs. Photographs. Um, Giant headline. The headline, headline read, <laughs> thanks for the memories. <laughs> and the photos included. Uh, the, subhead, the subhead was like. Uh, like This year we bid a fond farewell <laughs> to. Yeah, the following yeah. luminaries or whatever. Like. It had a photo of Osama Bin Laden. Yeah, the photo. The photo <laughs> of Osama Bin Laden. You know. Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile. Yeah, and uh, there was mentions of Gaddafi. Gaddafi, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, what? <laughs> the memories. What the fuck? And like, no, no trace of irony, by the way. This was. Just... I definitely have that annual somewhere at home. I, I, it's in like Drada somewhere, it's in the attic or something. Oh but like, God. it had clearly been like Frankenstein together by a sub editor, a copywriter, and an art department that weren't in sync whatsoever. No, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like hot press. Yeah. Had an agenda, one or the other. No, no, the, like this yeah. kind of stuff would happen all the time, where you're like, "There's no actual malice in this. It's just hot press." Yeah. What a! I swear to God, man. I mean. Yeah, we'll talk more about it on your final episode because it brought really? well, it brought us <laughs> together. <you> down. <laughs> it, brought us, it brought us together, but like, what a fucking like, oh, what a time! What you a know? time! What yeah, a time! It's just you know, real Gonzo journalism. Yeah. Anyway, gorillas. Movie ain't happening, folks. <laughs> it's, been, it's been compromised to a permanent end. Hewlett's going to be devastated because, like, I don't think he does that. Uh, the else. reason I thought this was slightly newsworthy is because uh, Damon Albarn said, without naming names, because the whole matter hasn't been settled yet, the streaming platform for which we're making the film has withdrawn, which was Netflix, by the way, uh, according to reports, anyway. Uh, they started to panic because they're making too much content and decided to cut back on their movie offerings. Stop the presses. And as has been classic Hollywood practice for decades, the guy we are working with has moved on to another company. From then on, you've lost your guardian angel. Seems to be a bad smell hanging about you. Hollywood is quite territorial. If a new guy comes along, he must and will have a different opinion, even if he secretly agrees with his predecessor. Now, I will say, from everything I've read about how Hollywood functions, Alburn is bang on the money with that one. Mm. That is how it happens. There's, like, vaults full of unproduced scripts in some films that are even halfway through that just get cancelled because some guy got fired or left another company. Yeah. And also, the, net, the big net, like the Netflix thing of, like, oh, what a shock. <laughs> they're spending too much fucking money on films that don't make money it's how is it still going <laughs> I don't know it's the worst it's just the worst service as well like it's, it's pretty just, bad every time I go on it there's nothing I need to see it's, I won't have a bad word said about the the company single-handedly responsive, responsible for Drive to Survive which is, <laughs> which is the new season lands tomorrow as of this podcast dropping Working the new season will be out no I just love that series have you watched so any of the like, offshoots like the tennis one I've watched all one. of them really I have any, watched all of them are they any good and the golf one wasn't for me the tennis one was very good and they only have five episodes out for because the I think the tennis season is split into two mm. so there'll be more in June I like that. the I like the um, clip of Nadal prior to the match getting ready. Oh, where he's legging it up and down the yeah, hall, yeah, psyching out, and your man's just standing beside him, like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck's going on it's like here? practicing every fucking yeah. shot. Um, Another uh, cross-pollinating entertainment news, Eminem has filed a lawsuit for a trademark for, quote, Reasonably Shady, which is a podcast uh, by two of the Real Housewives of Potomac. Is that a thing? Yeah, Giselle and Robin. Okay, Giselle and Robin, Giselle Bryant and Robin Dixon. Um, yeah, they have a podcast called Reasonably Shady. But uh, Marshall Mathers, aka Eminem, aka Slim, Slim Shady, Shady, believes his brand will be quote unquote damaged 
if they get the trademark. They're, they're trying to get the trademark for it. He said, reasonably shady can cause confusion in the minds of consumers. Now, that's an Eminem lyric for you right there. Uh, Eminem, 50, has exclusively used the name Slim Shady and Shady for entertainment services since 1998 and owns the trademark for merch and stuff, blah, 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 blah. Feels like one of those non-stories that I threw in for no reason. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Ed Sheeran is feeling hot, hot, hot. What's happening, Greg? Do you want to read that this disgusting first sentence? Not really, but I will. <clears throat> Ed Sheeran has launched... Oh, God, I immediately regret this. <laughs> Tingly Ted's. Mm. His own range of hot sauce. Tingly Ted's. Immediately reminded of the fa- that, like, lyric. It was, it was some collab. I can't remember the song, but where he refers to himself as Teddy. In like a very like, oh, I'm sexy kind of well, way. Teddy's just, photos is his uh, Instagram <laughs> handle. Tingly Ted's sounds like something a fucking a, a filthy Yorkshireman would say when he's chatting somebody up. You got oh, me. Yeah. You got me all hot and bothered in the Tingly, tingly Ted's. Ted's. Oh. The sauce yeah. comes in two flavors, tingly and extra tingly. Mm-hmm. No e. Uh, to clarify, by the way, there are lots of non-filthy Yorkshiremen. I just thought of Yorkshire. You know, I'm not coming after the. It lends itself well, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Yeah. You, yeah, you can call me a filthy loud person. I don't fucking care. It's been developed by the singer over the last two years. I love two the years. There that he's been working on nothing else. In the lab. Yeah, in the yeah. lab. Lockdown. Two years. No, this is, I'll be like, what the fuck? So the quote is great. He says, I love sauces. That's no secret. But the older I've got, the more I love and need spice with every single meal. Jesus a Christ. Of, there's a lot to unpack with that, isn't there? <laughs> something for his in his life, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, I travel a lot, so having a bottle in my suitcase wherever I go that can spice up any and every meal seemed like a good idea. Didn't, didn't he do a Heinz ad recently where he's in like some fancy restaurant and he breaks out like a bottle of ketchup and they're all like, <gasps> didn't see it, but, uh, true, to, true to life. He wrote the ad and like directed, he like came to Heinz and was like, I've got a great idea for an ad. Me in a restaurant breaking out the Heinz. I think it was Heinz. How do you feel about him muscling in on your turf? I don't like it. But he is a bit of a renaissance man. Hey, you're in advertising. Can I ask you, what do you think of that McDonald's ad that I despise? Which McDonald's the one ad? where they don't mention the... The name. The one where they have that song. They're wandering out of the office. And they're all like raising their eyebrows, their arches, as they call it. And it's like, ooh, bum, bum. And it's like, bum, bum. And it's just yeah, like, I'm not, uh, I can't watch it. Every time they do the eyebrow raise thing, it makes me want to claw my own face off. Edgar Wright directed never, that, by the way. Because yeah, of course yeah, he fucking yeah, did. McDonald's stuff never quite does it for me. Ed's quote continues <clears throat> I knew I didn't want to do a watery hot sauce, as they usually all get relegated to the same shelf of other random hot sauces. I wanted to make a sauce that took the same pride of place as ketchup. See, he seems to think that people in super that run supermarkets are basing like the way they stack shelves on them individually tasting stuff and being like, "Well, this is a damn fine hot sauce. Put this next to the ketchup." Are like, you suggesting that Ed Sheeran's out of touch with the common man? Um, never. He no. also continues. This is a long, a long quote that um, I presume some creative advertising intern mocked up, and he didn't have anything to do with. Ed says, I had a year of whittling down the perfect flavours of the great mixing team and we settled on two absolute belters, the tingly and the extra tingly. I've had them on tour with me recently to try them with all sorts of meals and there really isn't any they don't go with except bananas. Don't do that. Finally, I'm that so, makes me want to do it. I'm so excited to bring this product out. It's genuinely something I use every day. <laughs> like, why is he like? I swear, uh, on all three <laughs> meals, I hope you love them as much as like, fucking cornflakes in the morning. I hope you love them as much as I do. X. Like so, when Hillary was running and she's like, oh, I carry hot sauce everywhere. Did she say like, that? 
Yeah, because she was trying to connect with um, Beyonce. Yeah, the, she was trying to get the black vote because you know, fuck, they like hot sauce fuck. or whatever. Are you serious? I don't she had a whole thing of like, I carry it in my purse. Oh, like she... I carry around hot sauce. <laughs> I don't go anywhere at my. Hot I'd say sauce. she had, probably carries around pepper spray in her purse. Maybe, like, <laughs> maybe that was the uh, the implication there. Jesus, it's a real like the only reason to have a hot sauce. Uh, I suppose if you're into hot sauces, but for me, the only reason to have a hot sauce would be to come up with a, like an inventive name and that fucking name. Tingly there, Ted's right? doesn't do it for you, no. Not really. So the, the killers had their own hot sauces and I feel like their names were better I'm just checking but continue okay this enemy story continues elsewhere <laughs> like a great pivot elsewhere King Charles was reportedly quote very keen on having the hot sauce <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably kill him you know <laughs> on having uh, Sheeran yeah they gave it to the Queen that was it just before uh, coronation tingly dead your new king Ed Sheeran dead alright mate on, uh, oh, oh man, this new king is cool. You know, like it's like a terrible Disney movie. Yeah. What? How's, how's he going to perform as king? He's, he's it doesn't make any sense. He's just uh, he's a singer songwriter. He's, he's a true friendly troubadour. This isn't like it's not going to work, is it? Oh, um, but who plays his lusty aide? Oh, it's uh, Haley Atwell. I don't know, fucking whatever. Anyway, um, book it now. Uh, king Charles was very keen on having Sheeran perform at his coronation oh, alongside Adele. The, uh, great second mention here. Uh, the new monarch will be officially coronated on the yes. 7th of May, uh, the day after he takes over from the late Queen Elizabeth. Hang on, I think you'll find that she's abdicated the throne by, <laughs> by shuffling off because the, the coil. She's been compromised to a permanent end. Yeah. By natural causes, it's okay, we can say that. Yeah. Um, the king, uh, according to sources close to the project via OK Magazine, who I guess have an insider for this kind of thing, the king asked the team behind the event to reach out to the superstar musicians. Uh, I know Adele apparently didn't respond, and Ed Sheeran is unable to make the concert due to logistics and previous touring commitments, and I presume something to do with hot sauce. Do you believe that, or do you think he just doesn't want to do something? There's talk that Harry Styles will be there, you know? Hmm. Lending credence to the fact he might be a bit posher than we previously thought? I mean, would you go, like, if you were asked to perform for the King of England, is that an well, honour? What would I have to perform? <laughs> <laughs> what would I be doing then? Uh, Nights in White Satin, that's not that you enjoy If I got the chance to play an acoustic cover of Nights in White Satin at the coronation <laughs> of fucking Charles the... Third? third? I think it's third. <laughs> I would 100% do it, yeah. Cool. Um, so what's uh, what's Japanese breakfast been up to this week, Craig? I will tell you in a second, but you want to hear about um, what the killers are having on their breakfast? Always. The hot sauce names. Um, they're not as amazing as I thought they were, but they're still better than Tingly Ted's. Hot Fuss. Okay. Very good. Fire and Bone. Sounds a bit disgusting. Uh, this is like Metallica like type stuff here. Caution. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Blowback. <laughs> Those last two sound like uh, male stripper names. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would definitely be Caution. <laughs> they come as a Welcome pair. to the stage. It's like si- Caution. <laughs> it's like Siegfried and Roy. They come in a pair. Caution and Blowback. Caution. Yeah, I like it. Let's talk Japanese breakfast. And um, yeah, been causing a stir online, Dave, by sharing her controversial thoughts on the Beatles. Um, taking a leaf out of your book, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely delighted. I'm a fucking Trendsetter, guys. Really it's good company to be in. I like Japanese breakfast. She's cool. She seems awesome. And I'm not sure how I feel about this. I, I think I kind of agree to a certain extent. This, what she said. I saw this pop up on Twitter and I went, that's too niche for me. 
Yeah, well, she's claimed that Revolver is the tusk of Beatles albums. Now, can you explain this to a layman, a.k.a. me, and I presume some listeners, I don't know. I know me. we're very educated, and Adam as well. Yeah, yeah so she's referring, like, Tusk is referring to Fleetwood Mac's um, follow-up to Rumours, which was a bit more experimental. It's my favourite Fleetwood Mac album. I <laughs> so see where this is going. Like of course it is. <laughs> and she's comparing it to the fact that, I guess, Revolver is now seen as, like, the trendy pick for, like, oh, this is the finest um, album that Beatles <laughs> ever produced okay. um, which I used to go along with and I think there's a strong case for it because it's at that intersection of like they were still doing poppy stuff they were still like not too indulgent but they were getting more cutting edge and avant-garde there's no real bad songs on it like well you know we'll be talking about classic albums in a little bit right, there, um, there's one album. song that better not feature but we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> but find out track on it. <laughs> Revolver might be their only one that doesn't have one um, but yeah she's saying um, she, oh, sorry. She clarified in a follow-up tweet. I'm not saying either of these albums are bad. I'm saying if they're your favourites, you're a contrarian and wrong. Now, let me. So she posted this on Twitter, which can only mean that the resultant discourse was fair, balanced, and in no way over the top. Um, well, Mark Ronson got involved. <laughs> so. I interviewed him once. You did. Yeah, it was for was like a nice, corporate it a thing. Phoner, he, was it? it was a phoner, and his connection was terrible. And it was for like, hey, you're doing this thing with whatever fucking brand it was. But I actually got like 20 plus minutes out of him. Yeah. And it he was definitely performed at the coronation. He seems quite posh. 100%. Yeah, he definitely would. Um, he was good. He was grand. Like, he he clearly was like just out of bed and were not really in the mood. But he did. Like, you know, and again, I was like, oh, I got to ask you about fucking Amy Winehouse because it's for fucking, you know, public facing website. And, you know, he didn't hang up the phone. He was pretty insightful and interesting. I think his, it, yeah, his answer, if I recall, was quite... I can't remember insightful. much about it, apart from it was really annoying to have to do in terms of the physical recording of it. But, I, I yeah, I, he was surprisingly interesting, considering I was like, you know, like, you know yourself, if you got to, if you got to interview somebody and it's set up by a fucking brand, it's usually very generic and yeah, dry. And, and like that is, yeah. So what he say about this? He called her an unfeeling snob. Oh, wow. In jest, I believe. <laughs> and said that she said she said was better than most songs throughout history, which I would agree with. Then she hit back at a different follower's claim that Good Day Sunshine was the best Beatles song, which is clearly wrong. Tweeting, and this is spot on. This is great. Good Day Sunshine is Pharrell's happy of the Beatles catalogue. I know we're getting very niche, but yeah, she, she reels. Another fan commented, um, Revolver and Tusk just both feel so modern, so they especially appeal to our generation. There's this sense of each uh, respective band having figured something out beyond their contemporaries, whether that's the truth or not. And she replied, yes, Yellow Submarine and Love You Too are extremely modern tracks with massive appeal. Um, Then Fantano got involved. Oh, God. um, And just said, she's right. And then she responded with, I was just thinking, I bet this is what Melon deals with every day. Like that she was using Melon. Why is that his nickname again? Because he's bald? I think it's, yeah, it's something to do with, like his his whole, have you looked through the comments of like all of his videos or like any of the comments of any of the videos? They all call him Melon or something, yeah. And they all just kind of rip, rip, I think it's, they're clearly fans of his, but they're like, oh, internet trolling, he'll find this hilarious and he probably doesn't. So yeah. Okay. Um, Didn't, before we wrap this up, didn't someone from Black Midi get involved and get sh- oh this was the best bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is great <laughs> it is very good she fucking owned him <laughs> um, so yeah Black Midi's Geordie Greep um, said her opinion on the two masterpieces quote was quote wrong as fuck <laughs> so her far back Aren't you supposed to be interesting? <laughs> Just so withering, it's what? amazing. That is, yeah, that's good. Perfect that's insult, good. isn't She's it? She's a legend, yeah, yeah, yeah. I once said to somebody, um, 
You've never really been very interesting, have you? And I think it's one That's of the, why I'm leaving the show. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's one of the most cutting and horrible things I've ever said to anybody. You can't tell us who it was. I won't tell, tell you. Tell us later. Yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you over a point. Yeah. But um, on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash encore. That's what the show is going. It's a joke. Yeah. No, no, no. joke. Once Craig leaves, the show is going to turn some kind of weird hot gossip type. Imagine I'm like, well, that means uh, Craig Corner. Yeah. Uh, Dave on Craig. Well, uh, can we go from Craig Corner to a different corner? <laughs> It's been a. It's been some time since since we've stepped onto the um, oh, turf, <laughs> the diamond encrusted terrain. Uh, the the <laughs> like I was gonna say like dry ice filled terrain of Kiss Corner uh, to the point that Adam's speakers were so loud there, and I forgot about that intro. And good lord, uh, it took my ears off. So I'm I'm sorry to any. I like I'm sorry. Sting. It'll be turned down in post. Like a sonic version of hot sauce. It's great. Yep. Tingly jeans or something. Um, so why am I talking about kiss? Uh, because there was a there was a nice little kiss story this week uh, in which um, they talked about Paul Stanley has spoken of his love yeah. and respect. <laughs> As I scroll Jeez. through my notes, <laughs> asked what he loved about his fellow band founder Paul Stanley. He speaks with admiration about Gene's selflessness and generosity. Quote: Gene is a team player <laughs> and he loves the band and wants what's best for it. Uh, sorry, I'm, my fucking phone is... Even it, if it's not always what's best for him, I don't believe it. I love Gene's ability to put his own advantages and possibilities within the band to the side and do whatever is best for the collective. I admire that quality, because you don't find it often in people. And also, underneath the bravado and all the Gene Simmons shtick is a very caring and very kind and giving person who takes care of a lot of people far outside and beyond his family. I respect that very much. Absolutely. I, I put the story in because it reminded me of me and you. Aww. Wait, who's who? Oh, I'm Gene Simmons, definitely. Why do you want to be Gene? Who wouldn't? He's the demon. Anyway, um, you have some other well, stories well, here. Well, 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 Paul Stanley's what, Star Child? Star Child, Star Child. Yeah. That, that, that suits you. You're kind of a science, Bowie fan. science yeah, fiction yeah, kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. Um, you have a couple of other stories here. They're all pretty good. Um, I love the, um, can we just talk Leamy G for a sec? Sure. Right, because we mentioned Matty Healy there and his, his, his fucking appearances everywhere of late. Uh, one of the things we recently mentioned was his um, appeal for Oasis to get back together. Um, he was talking on um, CBC, so it's Q, which is now presented by Tom Power after your man, Jean Gomeshi, turned out to be a massive, awful creep guy. Um, but your man, Tom Power, is very good. It was an interesting interview, actually. But he did take time out to kind of directly talk to the Gallaghers and say, like, okay, to quote, what are Oasis doing? Can you imagine being in potentially, right now still, the coolest band in the world? What? And not doing it because you're in a marred with your brother. Um, then he said it was basically a, a PSA of his. Um, Do me a favour, get back together, stop messing around. That's my public service announcement for today. said, you know, they're acting like they're in their 20s. Um, they need to grow up. <laughs> and um, Someone on Twitter obviously asked Liam Gallagher about this and he responded... Uh, the question was posed, Matty Healy says you're just wasting your time and you should stop being like children. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> and Liam came back with, it's our time to waste. Who made him the boss of time? <laughs> Which is great. It's great. That's really good. That should be like someone's wrestling gimmick, yeah. you know? The, the boss, boss of, of time. time. Very good. You got like an hourglass, you turn it upside down and like everyone in the ring stops, you know, the referee's befuddled by this. And, That's very good. You know, I you like do that. moves on a guy who can't fight back, you know, it's and then of course you put the hourglass back up uh, when you're in the pinning position, one, two, three. It's good. It's I like, like it. wrestling mixed with that. What was it? Bernard's watch. What was the name of that show? 
from our, from our childhood, from our collective know. childhood. I've got kids. I've got watch. No, I've got, I've got one more news story. <laughs> a lot of kids um, had watches, Greg. <laughs> he could uh, stop time with the watch. I've got one more news story. Um, so we'll, we'll bypass the Maggie Rogers anxiety one because you know it's a downer of a story. Sure. She's cool though. I interviewed her once. She was nice. Um, Do you want to talk? She talks about like people going to gigs and seeing that the crowd people are like fainting a lot of, having panic attacks at her shows. Kind of pandemic and yeah, everyone's stressed out by being in crowds and that's yeah, that's a that's a relatable one. feeling. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to like you know I've been to that many gigs myself, so you know look after yourselves at gigs, guys. It's genuinely. Was it her show where Dahi was just like kept going on about her screen, her massive screens? Um, it was Maggie Rogers? Claro. Maybe. Is it Claro? Sounds more like Claro. Maybe. And I, I didn't go to Maggie Rogers with Dahi, so unless he saw her somewhere Maybe, else. Yeah, he was loving that Claro album at the time. Possibly it was Maybe. that. Maybe. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you saying that Maggie Rogers and Claro have no distinctive features? To they're, That's they're, exactly what I'm saying. They're, um, yeah, please they're, they're just uh, come women. at me on Twitter. There's women artists who, yeah, they're, like, <laughs> yeah. it's just the same thing I'm to I'm leaving you. the show. I don't care anymore. Would you say that, um, would you say that a female artist is, is a genre <laughs> all of its own, would you? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, listen, I was brought up on cue lists. <laughs> it's the women in rock issue. Still a thing, apparently. Even when I interviewed Amanda Palmer that time and it didn't go well. Oh, because that. of who? Uh, you slash me. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly you. It's kind of... <laughs> Oh, he was joking. Yeah, we'll talk about that well, one. Tell the listeners. No, 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 no. It's too, it's too long of a story. We'll talk, we'll talk about it another Patreon. time. Patreon.com. We have talked about it before de- numerous we times. Definitely but have, yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of fucked up. But uh, she could have been better herself, you know I mean? Whatever. The point is, we bonded over the whole, you know, she was like, oh, Rolling Stones still do the women in rock thing. And I'm like, really? And, you know, it was fine. Anyway, um, if you get the chance to interview Amanda Palmer, be careful. Uh, so here's the thing, right? More careful than me. Yeah, the, the fault is mine. Anyway, look, I've got one last story, right? Yes. Because this one's fucking mental. Like I initially thought this, I saw like I saw this during the week. It was on Enemy, and I thought that's a cute little funny story. But the more I read it properly, I was like, "This is meant. This is crazy." So, a children's author in the UK has recalled his experience of replying to more than one thousand emails intended for Ollie Sykes, who is the frontman of Bring Me the Horizon, mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran affiliated band. Bring Me the Horizon. Um, author Oliver Sykes wrote a first person piece for Metro in which he described a period in his life which he felt compelled to respond to fans who'd erroneously thought he was the band's lead singer. Also, I'm reading Enemy's copy directly, by the way, so I hope I'm not like, doing anything plagiaristic here. I That's... mean, we've been doing that quite a bit. <laughs> no, I know, but, but, but I'm literally just like going beat for beat here because like the story, like, I, I want to have all the, you know... Some, we love Enemy.com. Thank some you, Enemy. other journalists did hard work and I'm now just reading their words. Um, he explained how he was studying theatre at Lancaster University in 2008 when Bring Me the Horizon's second album, Suicide Season, was released. At first, Oliver was, quote, blissfully unaware about the band's new album because he was mainly a folk music fan. Real regional kind of news reporting there, you know. Yeah, you know, like fuck me. So here's a question, right? Within a week, or a question, a quote rather, uh, within a week of it hitting the shelves, that changed. My inbox started piling up with messages, predominantly from teenage girls. That's the point where you walk away from that, mate, by the way. Yeah. Uh, desperately trying to contact Ollie Sykes of Bring Me the Horizon. The other Oliver Sykes says, I had about 30 or 40 people tell me how much they loved, quote unquote, me and my album. And because fans had opened up to him about their mental health, he took it upon himself to let them know they'd contacted the wrong guy and to offer his sympathy. Quote, I was a student and completely unequipped to help or do anything about it, but I just couldn't leave them unread, not when they were bearing so much of themselves. Oh, Jesus Christ, I didn't read these quotes. I told you it's fuck, said Oliver. Mm. Again, student. Not easy. <laughs> he's got to be like, what, anywhere between 18 and 20, unless he's a mature student, I don't know. But uh, he's replying to teenage girls here, which again, I kind of feel like you, you shouldn't really be doing. Uh, Oliver replied to every email. 
I remember thinking around the 500 mark that I should be getting some form of commission, he jokes, before realising he was spending more time replying to emails than spending on his theatre degree. What in the name of God? Uh, now, hold on, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and hopefully history does not prove me great. You're hardly going to admit to this if there's any kind of salaciousness in there, but I haven't seen the emails. Yeah, what am no, I? But like, just what is from, this, from, Pizzagate? From the lead-in, I was like, because I, I don't really know much about the band, but the fact that the album was called Suicide Season... Was he like, were all the emails like, I'm thinking of harming myself kind of stuff? And I, he was well, like, it sounds like, just, it sounds like Stan's like, trying to get in touch with, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're presumably, no, I, I don't know, but I presume there was lots of, your music helped me or something. I don't yeah. know. We don't know. That's like, I wouldn't be like, this story doesn't have a dark turn or anything. No. Uh, the author failed in his bid to contact the band's record label and Ollie Sykes directly. Uh, sorry, I'm not having why that. Why is he like... <laughs> why I don't I don't understand. What, first of all, why do these people think that it's just got like a Ollie whatever Sims at Sykes? Ollie <laughs> Sims is in the XX, yeah, yeah. a far better band. Way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Oliver Sims. Why would you respond to me at gmail.com And they're just like, oh, this will work. At Rocket why Mail. Is he feeling any obligation? <laughs> why isn't his initial thought just like, oh, they'll realize after about a day? Don't respond. Yeah, yeah. Probably didn't go to the right person. But he said he failed in his bid to contact Oliver Sykes directly. Fair enough. But he said he couldn't contact the record label. That's very easy to do. Yeah. Like, somebody will respond to you there. I'm not buying that. The email has continued. When Brimmy Rising released their third album, which was called There Is a Hell, Believe Me, I've Seen It, There Is a Heaven, Let's Keep It a Secret, uh, two years afterwards, things had calmed down, owing to what Oliver thinks were fans getting, quote, a bit older and savvier. So they're fucking 17 now or something. Despite the hours put in to respond to Bring Me the Horizon fans, it didn't spark a love for the band's music. This is the ultimate, like, news sign-off here. Yeah. Quote, I had to listen to the first albums, and it sounded to me like somebody was pulling the brakes on a bicycle in dire need of some oil. There's the author in him coming out. Uh, it was an assault on my ears. I don't think I could sit down with a full album with it also coming away with a headache. Now, they've got a couple of good songs. They? Um, I would think they did, yeah. There's two did. songs I like, which they have uh, have been used as wrestling themes. Uh, Pete Dunne, when he was with OTT, would come out to Can You Feel My Heart, which is an absolute... Has been played on this show. Yeah, because Ed Sheeran did it with him, didn't he? Uh, yeah, something Or he did like something that. with the Brits, and yeah. they've got a song called Sleepwalking, which is kind of fun as well. But I never really fucked with them, I have to say. And I should say, you know... If thousands of teenage girls are emailing you, uh, don't reply to them. <laughs> Just don't. It's not a good. It's not a good look. If there's one thing we've learned. Are you listening, Matty Healy? Sorry. Uh, I wonder if he is. Maybe he is. Um, anyway, look, that's the news. No emails anymore. What? what? Where's Granddad. This? You sound are like you kidding me. You sound like fucking uh, Matt Goss right now. <laughs> no one plays Conkers anymore. Oh God. Okay, look, that was the oh, news. That God. was a busy news section. I enjoyed oh, that one. Um, we're going to move on to the top five now, are we? Yeah, let's do. Yeah, we've a whole top five to do. We do. Uh, yeah. Before we do that, can I just? I have a. I have a gripe. Right oh now. Jesus! I have, gripe, <laughs> I have a gripe with how silent you are on the comeback of none other than Skrillex with two double albums. We don't listen to Skrillex. Or, sorry, Hold on. Why? Two double albums? Sorry, not two double albums. One double album. Oh, okay. he, yeah, and he released them back to back Friday and G&R. Saturday. Um, so I don't good. listen to Skrillex. I know you're actually a fan, and ironically, and it's not that I don't listen to Skrillex on principle. I just don't listen to Skrillex. But can I ask you a quick question? You can. I've seen some chatter this week. I think Kabina was tweeting about this, and some other people as well. Apparently, Fortet teamed up with Skrillex and someone else. Right again. And the rave community are very upset about this for some reason. Um, it, like the three of them are very good friends, and they've just kind of, they travel a lot together and put on gigs where whenever they're in the same city. Mm-hmm. But they'll do it last minute. So they did like I think three in London last month, and Madison two Square or Garden? two. They did Madison Square Garden, and they did like there's like a truck outside of Times Square. It's like a I don't know like a school bus or something like that. 
but like DJs play there or something and they put on two gigs there back to back. Um, but yeah, they've been doing that a lot. Um, I They've all been kind of working on each other's projects. I think Fortet's been involved in the mixing side. Um, for, for He's definitely been involved with Fred again in terms of like production and writing. And um, I know that himself, Sonny and um, sure. Fred Gibson sorry. <laughs> have all been... Um, like working on each other's stuff or working together on stuff. So um, that's kind of why they've been out there and they've been doing what yeah. they've been doing. But um, yeah, Skrillex put out two albums and both good. Would you call them classics? No. Well, in that case, he doesn't apply to the top five, which we're <laughs> jumping into right now because I was late for this recording and I want to get, I, I, we want to be in the pub for the start of the night game. So um, we'll, we can talk about Skrillex again. If anyone wants to talk about it, you can find me at, uh, at <laughs> No Encore email. Show <laughs> on Instagram. This is not me trying to be rude. I'm just like, I, I do want to get to this top five because it's going to be like fucking an error. Or yeah, something, it's you know? a big one. It's a big one. Let's get, let, let's just kick it off. So right. it's bad songs on classic albums. Craig pick five, I pick five. That's yeah. how it worked. Now, I will say as my intro, um, interludes didn't apply for me because I, I put this out on Twitter. A lot of people said Facebook story on Blonde. So uh, yeah, I actually I, you know I what? Sent Adam Let's not Facebook jump the gun. Story. Uh, yeah, because I know I also left out like skit. I could have had ten lists with skits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just they never work for me. Is yeah. there a good skit? No, there isn't. Um, there uh, there aren't. Uh, I was going to suggest we play Facebook story just to see how much we can get through it. Like because uh, it's so. I listen to it drives me. Insane. I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I, I'm okay with it. I, like it. I think it's a blemish on the like album, but I, but I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. I think you know there's something about it that actually factors into the it. whole tapestry of what <laughs> Blonde is horrible. about. It's so horrible. Um, okay. Is it different on vinyl? Uh, maybe a little bit. More do you, palatable. Do you have that audio? I do. Should we play Facebook Story? Come on, let's do it. Yeah, I hate it. No, I was just telling that I got this this girl before. And I uh, was together since three years, and uh, I was not even cheating her or what. And Facebook arrived, and uh, she wanted me to accept her on Facebook. And I don't want it because I was like in front of her, in front of her, and she told me like, "Accept me on Facebook." This was virtual, means no sense. So I say, I'm in front of you. I don't need to accept you on Facebook. She started to be crazy. She thought that because I didn't accept her, she thought I was cheating. She told me, like, uh, it, uh, it's over. I can't believe you. It, uh, I said, come on, you're crazy. Tell her, like, uh, I'm in front of you. I'm every day here in your house. But... It means like it's jealousy, pure jealousy for nothing, you know, virtual. Yeah, it should be said that like when Craig and I sat down to have a conversation about him leaving the podcast in private, that is pretty much how it went. Yeah, yeah. And that backing track was going as well. If that backing track was put over John Cena saying compromise to permanent end, <laughs> it, it makes it ten times better. I'm okay with Facebook story. I, I can't stand I'm it. I'm okay with it's it. so... Oh my I'm God. I'm okay with it. I'm right in front of you. What? what? Just, just accept Just accept face. the friend request. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. And also the whole thing of like, no, I did do a, a tiny bit of reading on this. That, that's Sebastian also... Didn't it's realize, Sebastian the DJ, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He didn't realise that he was being recorded by Frank Ocean. Which <laughs> is like, okay, at least he wasn't... It's not performing in the way I thought it was but it's it's the faux kind of profundity that Frank, Frank Ocean was clearly like wow this says so much about like our you know modern condition and I'm just like oh. <sighs> okay well look the point is it didn't make I it love Frank it didn't no, make come it on. Um, come on I hope 
I hope Maxwell's Silver Hammer didn't make it. I hope that that's not in your top five. I can confirm there's no Beatles because I think most of their albums have at least one. So it yeah. was just, yeah. And it's the best song ever made. So I shouldn't apply to this. Okay, look, look, look. It's bad songs on classics album, classic albums. Uh, how do we define a classic album real quick? Uh, once we really, really like it. <laughs> uh, and also garnered huge critical acclaim, pops up in lists on the regular and that we deem to be a classic. Yeah, you know? you'll, you'll know them all. Um, I've got one kind of cultish one, but um, of course as you, you said, do. the same as you, like there's kind of a lot of personal bias in these and I did come come at it from a point of view of like albums that are on the verge of being my favourite of all time and I'm just like, this fucking track is just ruining everything. It's taking me out of the moment. I'm skipping it every time I play the album through. That yeah, was where I was yeah. coming from. It's classic album, so of course we're starting with The Blizzards. No, no, uh, here's my number five. Feel like a teenager Until you remember the feelings of A real life emotional teenager Then you think again Sound of silver talk to me Makes you wanna feel like a teenager Until you remember the feelings of A real life emotional teenager This is making me question the entire operation As Um, it should (laughs) It is of course uh, Frequent enough I suppose Top 5 stalwart James Murphy Shall I do a camp show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, do a count. Yeah, I'll do a count. Yeah. It's probably the fifth time LCD sound system. Greg, any guesses? Um, I would say, oh, interesting because I feel like they've maybe featured in worst lists more than they have in in best lists. Mm. Which, but I still reckon. I would say six. It should be noted as well that I like LCD Sound System. I think I like a handful of their songs. Yeah. This song is Sound of Silver off the album Sound of Silver, which of course is the big one for a lot of people. Um, Could have featured in title tracks last week. Best title tracks. Not six, best. Except for the fact um, it's terrible. What were our guesses? Five. Six. Yeah. That's right. Five. Oh my God. Including this pick. Yeah. I know my stuff, man. Nah, what can I say? Yeah. What can I say? Okay, here's the thing. Right. Sound of Silver. Um, the way I've done this is I wrote some notes. I don't use you right now. So you just go off the dome. But I've got the case against and the case for in all five uh, selections for me. So right. these are bad songs on classic albums. Um, the case against Sound yeah. of Silver for me. Uh, it sounds like a joke song. It sounds like a parody of LCD Sound System. It sounds lazy as fuck. It goes nowhere for seven minutes. <laughs> and it sticks out like a sore thumb on the same album as Someone Great and All My Friends. I think it's throwaway as fuck. I think it sounds terrible, like flatulent beat. It's just like him doing a really bad Brian, you know, David Byrne thing. Yeah. It sounds like a Saturday Night Live sketch of LCD Sound System again. And I appreciate that, you know, you're going to counter this by saying, well, that's what they do. But you have greatness on either side of it. Mm. And it just, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like, why is this here? Uh, I've written in the case for that there's none, but here's Pitchfork's 9.2 out of 10 album review from 2007, in which the reviewer said, and I quote, there's not a single week track here and many more already feel classic. Sound of Silver is a seven minute suite that morphs from a rumbling, ice cold, no wave groove into a liquefied jumble of kalimbas, pianos and fizzy synths. Craig Fitzpatrick, the floor is yours. My counter argument would be that like North American Scum is on that record. So two flaws, <laughs> I would say. But no, I mean, this is definitely the, like North American Scum is one of their kind of like throwaway single pastiche things. But I think it's, it's, it's fine. It's not like drunk girls or whatever. Um, so yeah, this is a nadir in their career probably. Um, so I think it's actually a, it's a good selection and I, that is my favourite LCD Sound System record um, Someone Great is absolutely sensational um, 
in particular, I think. But yeah, yeah. Just and, their, and their cover of Code Lines, All My Friends is really good as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, what you got? All right, I'm going to start with um, an album I consider classic. I actually went back to it this week, as I did with all of the albums, because I'm a professional. And I was like, yeah, this is still actually really, really good. But this is, this, this is me being true to like... 12-year-old Craig who felt completely cheated and quite frankly robbed by the inclusion of this because I spent over 20 pe- was it pounds? What year? Oh. It would have been, yeah. So 2000? Yeah, it still was, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it was about 22 quid in HMV Blanchard Sound. It's the only place I could find this CD that had been recommended everywhere. <laughs> Track 4, this comes on. I remember thinking, this is just well you'll you'll hear for yourself. a Dave quiz isn't it <laughs> background song backwards word song yeah um, yeah so that is the Stone Roses with Don't Stop the fourth track on their <laughs> classic debut where they just flipped the previous classic song fucking Waterfall Waterfall yeah, yeah. and Ian Brown just like sang some terrible lyrics over it because it's like oh yeah this melody kind of works backwards this goes on for like four and a half minutes. <laughs> You're only a third of the way through the album. Like the rest of the album is fantastic. But I remember distinctly listening to this and being like, they're not, this isn't, the, is this the same song? Did you have a, I take the CD out and like something's wrong type situation? Uh, I didn't think, no. I think I quickly was just like, oh, they're, they're, they're codding us here. They're playing with form. <laughs> yeah. But also what I hate about this is they're clearly doing like a, Oh, psychedelic, Jimi Hendrix, mind-bending, we're playing stuff backwards, it's psychedelic, <laughs> it's we're on drugs, this is genius. It's fucking lazy is what it is. Isn't it? So lazy. But just everywhere online, like Stone Roses fans, which I I don't have much truck with, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, Please tell me you're not registered to some stone, spikeisland.com. Spikeisland.com. <laughs> There's so many articles actually kind of on GeoCities type sites being like, <laughs> you know, the true genius of the Roses was the roses. Um, that they could just flip one of their songs and it was another instant classic. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? There's literally articles of like how the Stone Roses pulled a genius reversal on their debut album and being like, oh, just like, yeah, how did they do it? How did they come up with the idea to play it backwards? Um yeah, and just looking at the recording of it, like they realised that like the drums were a garbled mess backwards, so they put fresh drums on it. Sorry, they actually. Can I just jump in here? They didn't. They put uh, a fucking tambourine <laughs> on it. That's all they did. That's all they did. It's, it's the only thing. That's fresh percussion. Sounds yeah. horrendous. Yeah, fresh percussion. It's one fucking <laughs> instrument. It's not drums. I think also uh, this might be a good thing or a bad thing. Ian Brown kind of invents Liam Gallagher on this where he has that line in the course of like don't stop isn't it funny how you shine which is just like <laughs> somewhere in a Manchester hospital <laughs> oh my god um, but actually I have to say that album does stand up I know they get slagged quite a lot and the whole you know what they birth into the indie rock scene was 
possibly not great. And I never really got on board with the whole second Summer of Love stuff. And yeah, this psychedelic Wait, nonsense. You were 12. Of, no, but you know, like I just, it did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't 12 at the time. Like it completely passed me by. Of course. But yeah, it just sorry. seemed like, I don't know, a bunch of people from Manchester and Liverpool trying to like have a second coming of what was going on in San Francisco in the 60s because they found some like E or something. I don't know. But they had great songs. Like at their best, they're like a really good jangly pop band. And this is not their finest hour. Um, Daylight Robbery, Dave. It's my number five. Okay. Uh, My number four is a band I adore. And this is unquestionably a classic album, but I have issues with it. And this is a big one. Sorry, it's, it's absolutely dreadful. It's uh, Township Rebellion by Rage Against the Machine off the self-titled debut album, which was one of the first albums I bought when I started buying albums. But like, and it's it's great. I mean, I like... like this in HMV Blanchard's. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's probably about 17 quid. <laughs> so it's Township Rebellion. It's in the back half of the album. Uh, I mean, like, uh, the case against, you just heard it, but I'll give you the case for. You could say it's a statement of righteous anger. It's a debut album teething quality control issue, perhaps, and a further chance to showcase what Tom Morello can physically do. But therein lies the problem. My case against is that that guitar solo is just embarrassing. Noodle wank bollocks. You know, it's just like, I don't go in for, you know, I've never been one for guitar solos or drum solos. Depends. It can, it, they can, of course, be great. But that is, like, I had to triple check. And I know this album. But I was like, wait, hang on. Am I listening to some weird B-side demo version? Tom Morello's jazz hour, isn't it? Like, it's... I mean, uh, once again, we're looking look at the strength of the songs around it territory because I th- I think by the time this arrives on that album, the album has punched itself out because it can't catch the incredible power and the energy of the standout tracks, which for me are a bomb track, killing in the name of killing the name rather, I should say, uh, take the power back, bullet in the head, and of course, wake up, which is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Can you name the last three tracks on Rage Against Machine's oh, Day? I couldn't. No, I was forgetting about the awfulness of this. Um, yeah, can you have you got the well, there. one of them is the one I just told you, which I wouldn't be surprised if you have immediately forgotten it because it's so forgettable. Township Rebellion. That's Township Rebellion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But, uh, like, you got these? Fistful of Steel before, which is all right. But then you have Township Rebellion, Freedom. Freedom is the last track in the album. Um, I, never, I couldn't... I it's fine, but it's just, it's not like, it's it's not as... I think, you know, there's, there's incredible, to this day, songs on that album. And I love Race Against the Machine. But that song isn't good. And it's five and a half minutes as well, which is just outrageous. Um, It's a classic album. It's not their best. Battle of Los Angeles is their best album. Interesting. I think I was so conditioned to this kind of guitar work from my dad playing like King Crimson LPs when I was growing up. I was probably like, yeah, this is fine. This is fine. It does, it kind of strikes, strikes me as, it's a bit of a, you know, your guitarist was so preoccupied with whether or not he could. <laughs> he didn't stop to think whether or not he should. Um, yeah, uh, like it sounds horrible there. That clip was a choice clip. Well done. I know. You, I, like, you didn't. You, you could have said nothing. <laughs> you could have moved on. I should have said nothing. Jesus, yeah. I mean, great band, but Jesus. Okay, all right. Um, I'm going like for like in terms of a ba- This is a band I dearly love. So this is a Craig Sacred Cow. Um, but I think 
Dave, you will um, relish my inclusion of this because you've no love or truck for this band. And yeah, it, it pains me to include it, but I had to do it. And all across Africa, giant Call you down in New Mexico, New Brighton, and Tokyo. God, yeah. I left out the one redeeming bit, which is like there's a tiny, nice, slightly there's a there's the potential for a decent hook in there, but my god, it's absolutely listless and shambolic. And it is the Libertines. It is Radio America, which sits in the middle of, for me, their classic debut, Up the Bracket, which is like uh kind of furious and um whip sharp and um taught and very, very um, well-executed record, I think, except for this, which is just like, I don't know what was going on. So by all accounts, what was going on, the way Pete Doherty tells it is that he loved this song he had written um, from before they had like a record deal and the rest of the band hate it, but he owed Carl, his co-frontman, like money or something and to get out of giving him the money... He was, no, sorry, What it must have been Carl owed him money. So he said, you can forget about the debt if I can put Radio America on the album. And like, he agreed to it. So it was basically just like, they weren't putting proper thought and consideration into that debut. Shock horror. Kind of classically Libertines, but my God. Do you, it's skip, just... it? do you skip it when it comes on? I mean, like, that, 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 yeah, I guess yeah. with these songs, do you skip them? Is that kind of like the, you know, what it boils down to? Yeah, I do skip it because it just completely ruins the flow of the record. Um, I, like, you could make a case that maybe you need a tempo change at some point, but they actually have kind of softer songs on it that just do more expansive, interesting, subtle stuff as well. Uh, good old days, Tell the King, and yeah, this is just... I know, like a lot of people have no great love for the Libertines, um, and if you play this, you're kind of like, yeah, like for this for me is like a sign of what was to come with like Baby Shambles and him just not trying whatsoever and being so adored by like the fans who would follow him everywhere that he could just take heroin and fall asleep on his guitar. This sounds like he is nodding <laughs> off on heroin once he's playing this. I'm not sure if he was on heroin yeah. at this stage. I'm not laughing at people with issues. I'm just I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. image and of Pete Hardy fucking like and recording this while slumping over <laughs> is kind yeah. of funny. I'm sorry. It's just like, this is the standard of when they, they really blew up online and you could like spend three hours downloading like his acoustica lullaby sessions where he'd just be like in some back room in like a crack den playing like, you know, wisps of songs he was working on. Those songs were better than this. <laughs> like there was... Uh, and he announced, uh, like, like just to, you know, give a happy update to Pete Doherty's current life. Oh, he seems in great form. He just yeah. announced, current, announced a tour there, I mm-hmm. think. And yeah, he's coming he's, to Ireland. Are you going to go? He's playing Dublin. I probably will go. I saw him recently on... He was on Buzzcocks. Did you see any clips of that? I didn't even know that was still going. Greg Davies hosting, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There was a few clips and um, he's like back to being um, very, very kind of funny and sharp and he seems in good health. Like, um, 
clearly kind of off the drugs, it would seem. Who could, <laughs> I don't know, who that's could, been said uh, many, many times, yeah, yeah. but he seemed a happy and hearty and Who could forget when, like, Pat, charismatic when, uh, and, when like, Pat Kenny interviewed him on The Late Late Show? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of drugs do you take? Uh, that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> After, what, about 10 minutes of just constant chat about Kate Moss and drugs, <laughs> Pete Hardy was just like, can you name one of my songs? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. But I love the Libertines and I think otherwise this is a tremendous, tremendous uh, debut. I went back to it and I was surprised how kind of actually it holds up because I was thinking a lot of that stuff at the time feels really dated at the moment because it's so out of step. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is this is a skip for me. I'm glad that you picked this because much like my last pick and your current pick, we're really dealing with some formative bands that meant yeah. a lot to us and none more so at the time. This is a band that I fucking clutched so close to my chest when I was growing up. Yeah. And this has always been a skip for me. That is great. It's, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the king of what is it? Hurl y- Yarm, is it? Yarm. Yeah. Can you explain <laughs> that? Yeah, you've done it before, but do it again. It's Eddie, it's Eddie Better. <laughs> yeah, it's Pearl Jam. And he is the um, leading proponent of a style of vocals. Herm Yarl. Herm Yarl. Yeah, Herm Yarl. <laughs> Sorry, it just came to me in an epiphany. Yeah, that um, kind of blew up in the 90s. Uh, offshoot of grunge, where a lot of vocalists at the time were deep in their Herm Yarl <laughs> bag. Um, yep. <laughs> An entire genre of its its own. Scott Stapp with Creed, like, probably, yeah, but, the um, best Super Bowl performance ever. Creed, yeah. of course. Um, it's Pearl Jam. It's Why Go off the song, off, off the album Ten. I think it's track four, possibly. Um, the case against right. I mean, it feels weird to label a band as successful as Pearl Jam and indeed an album as at the time game changing as Ten as an acquired taste. But uh, I think this song is perfect ammunition for people who found them to be quite silly and Eddie Vedder's vocal delivery to be rather ridiculous. Um, Main reasons here is, while I don't consider it to be anywhere close to my favourite Pearl Jam record, it's definitely regarded as a classic. It's a debut album, and this is always Skip City for me. I'm just like, I just... I just find it muddled and especially over the top. I mean, like, look, it's you could say that, like, it captures the raw aggression of the band and it presents Vedder as a fearless and a forceful orator, but it's very well produced. The music's all right. And I can see why somebody would gravitate towards this one. But again... Like, you got Jeremy on that album, you got Black, and a lot more. It's just, I just think it is kind of nonsensical, and it's just it's just irritating. Mm. I, I, I never liked it. I never, I, I was like, this is just a bit fucking annoying. And, like, I loved Pearl Jam. I fell so madly in love with Pearl really? Jam in my teenage years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like a hand-me-down from, like, a brother's friend, my brother's friend or something, and... I just I love. I've never seen them live to this day, and I've I'm no live, nowhere near as into them as I once was. But I I was I was Pearl Jam pilled man. They're like you, like Pearl Jam over say Nirvana, big time. Like I like I regarded Nirvana as like the, the, that was like Oasis and Blur for me. Oh my like, god! I, no. Oh, I was anti Nirvana because I was, oh yeah yeah big time. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. We've never talked about this before, have we not? I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah anti Nirvana. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, bad mouthing. 
Dave Grohl around uh, <laughs> Rock Sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most man in rock. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly, like, I mean, uh, it, took, it took until me reading a book about Pearl Jam called Five Against One, and I was like, oh, wow, Eddie Vedder's an asshole. Is he? Yeah, he can be. Yeah, they treated their second what? drummer. They, they treated their second drummer horrifically, amongst other oh, things. Man. Um, I thought he was one of the good guys. He's good friends with Glenn Hansard, isn't he? Oh, yeah, Anytime he plays here, Glenn Hansen gets on that gets me. on that support bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know why? I think I told you this before. Have I told the story before? It's so darkly horrendous, but kind of funny. Uh, I shouldn't say it's kind of funny, but in the in the darkest of ways, it's kind of funny. Okay. You know, in that kind of like black comedy esque way, but it's also a real life horrible thing. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, trigger warning for something really nasty. I guess I, I don't want to spoil what it is, but I guess I will. It's about suicide. Um, here's the thing, right? So. The Swell season played in New York or something years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that fucking collective, you know, yeah. um, with Glenn and Marquetta, you know, no, nothing, no, nothing strange there. Anyway, so um, they're playing in New York, I guess it is. And apparently the story goes that like some guy was going to go to the show with his girlfriend, but she broke up with him. And as a means of getting back at her, he went to the gig and threw himself off the rafters oh. onto the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he had the express intention of possibly like taking out Glenn Hansard with him. Uh, anyway, um, he died, obviously. And this is a horrendous thing to happen, you know, to anyone to witness this, to be part of this or whatever. But apparently, in the days and weeks removed, Eddie Vedder contacted Glenn Hansard and was like, I know what you're going through. Because Pearl Jam played the Ross Kilda Festival yeah. and there was a crowd crush in the front. And I think nine people died at that obviously horrible horrible yeah. tragedy um, so I guess Eddie Vedder was like you know I, I you know he, he was like there for him as some kind of like you know sage like it'll be okay figure yeah. and a friendship struck up from there so that's why he's always fucking supporting him now but um, yeah I mean grimly like I say it's funny it's obviously not funny but like just the like, if you're gonna go you know, if you're going to do it, there you go, Glenn. What, a, what a way to go. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, it's Jesus. like something out of a film. Horrible situation. But, you know, again, you're yeah. like, you're like, well, you know, if you're going to fucking do it. Um, so here's the thing, right? Um, I, I'm not looking to fucking trivialize anything there. I apologize if I did. But, um, yeah, and I will say, like, just to round it back to Pearl Jam, they actually have a beautiful lyric about the Ross Kilder situation in a song called Love Boat Captain. Yeah. In which they say, "Lost nine friends will never know." It's just a very, very nice song. I, I there was a lot of Pearl Jam songs that really, really spoke to me, and still do. I, I think that the, there's some beautiful, wonderful, great Pearl Jam songs out there. There's also some really embarrassing ones, and "Why Go," unfortunately, is one of them. So, what you're saying is, needless to say, Nirvana had the last laugh. Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, my bronze medal goes to Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was reading about this artist uh, during the week and he was called, I think by Spin Magazine or, uh, at the time, um, a generation's consolation prize after the death of Kurt Cobain, which didn't make any sense to me. But um, here is a track that is off a classic album that I have a Pavlovian response to. It's Kid Rock, as Adam <laughs> said during that clip. It's Beck. It's High Five. Rocking the cat skills. It's from Odley. And a lot of people not only defend this song, but consider it one of the best songs on the album. I was I only learned this week. 
How would you defend that? It's because I saw a lot of people saying it's, you know, what it encapsulates the um, manic energy and experimentalism of like Odelay and what Beck was doing um, with the Dust Brothers because you, you never know what's going to happen in the track and it's just a mashup of samples and they're having fun with the form. No. All that's no. done. Yeah. <laughs> it's I horrible. remember when I got this. It's <laughs> horrible. Yeah. I instantly fell in love with Beck, instantly fell in love with this record and the CD would get to this track towards the album's conclusion and every time I just went through my brain it's a dentist drill of a song <laughs> it does genuinely sound like something you torture people with that like, like synth thing going on it's also like reading about the song online apparently oh like the high five like high five is like a nickname for HIV or something Jesus and the rest of the lyric is like oh is it alluding to like safe sex or it just gets grimmer sorry it's what year was this odd. This was 96, right? Okay, okay, right. All bets were off. It's just an example of, I love how kind of clever, clever and I suppose like Gen X and detached and like the opposite probably of what Eddie Vedder was doing that I would lay is. Um, it was a breath of fresh air. Um, I was playing it on the, the bus over here and it's brilliant. It's great. Playing fun. it off your phone for the for everyone yeah, to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, no headphones. Down the back, yeah. Down the back well, with the, the bus driver was like, here man, I got an ox cord over here. Where's that? Get it on. <laughs> and then High Five came on and I was totally embarrassed and I jumped off the bus. And uh, <laughs> genuinely at the time, I remember like being in my team, teens being like, I think this might be one, this is going to be one of my favourite records of all time. This is going to be one of those records where like when people ask, I'm defined by how much I love Odelay. And then this track will come on. I'm like, I can't in good conscience be, be that associated with this record. Can I put you in ease? I've never defined you. <laughs> by my love for via, Bex Odelay. Via Bex Opus Odelay. <laughs> and this is why. This is why. Okay. I never mention it. It's not even top 20 because this comes on. Can I give you a song that I, or an act that I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily define you by or anything, but certainly more so. Oh, there's countless, I would say, at this point. For my number two. Oh, yeah, yeah, please do. It's bad songs on classic albums. And I, I had to debate, I was like, is this a classic album? Debatable, but I think it's certainly an iconic one. All right, so here we go. It's your eyes off of my Okay, so why do the killers remind me of Craig? Well, because like sharp suited, indie cool, you know, oh, handsome okay. men being cool. That. The mid two uh, thousands. I'm a Mormon, <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah, Just never mentioned that in a podcast before. But yeah. it's the killers. It's the song on top from the album Hot Fuss, mm-hmm. which got a mention in the Ed Sheeran sauce section mm-hmm. in the news. So the case against um, this song supports my this is one of the most front-loaded albums of all time yes. hot take because it comes in the back half it doesn't really go anywhere feels generic sounds like it could be a race light song or at best a passable busier strokes impression interesting uh, name me one killers fan who includes this in their favorite killers tracks like do i have to name someone sure yeah it's fine like it's um, fine it's it's a filler john <laughs> it's just a, it's just a filler. i mean like look it's you know, the case four, you could say. I mean, fun, tearaway, era-reflective indie adrenaline shot, I suppose. It's hardly a fiasco. There's just something really to it. It's a filler track. I did consider glamorous indie rock and roll. 
for this one. Yeah, but they, yeah. I vetoed it for two reasons, okay? Reason one, it's got a weird history, given that it's included on the album as track eight on the UK and Australian versions. It's a bonus track on the European edition and on the US final only release. So it's a bit too convoluted and confusing in Killer's canon and album, you know, lore to include. Yeah. Um, the second reason I didn't include that one was because I think it actually justifies its obnoxiousness by the end. I actually, I've come around on that song. Okay. But on top is just like, here's a really standard synth line and abracing, you know, race to the finish. It's it's just very, very okay. Yeah. I'm just looking at the track list. My, my argument would be, I think the whole second half, mm-hmm. you could nearly do without. I'm not sure this is a classic <laughs> album. Put out an EP, lads. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, I asked one person, is it a classic album? And they said yes. So who said who? Take I it up with them. take it up with Richard Chambers, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that man's credibility has been slashed in half in one sentence after that. He'll come get you. Well, you, I, I'm I'm right here, Chambers. <laughs> it's, you it's, know where to find me. It's our generation's all that you can't leave behind in terms of you have. I think that's still my generation's. All, like, I think I think all that you can't leave behind I mean, it's about four, is four four years <laughs> yeah. in the difference. But it was like I was, sorry, it's I was, the new rock revolutions. <laughs> all that you can't leave behind. Yeah, it's the enemy. All you can't leave behind. You've got five classics. Name them. Okay, well, I've got the track list here. <laughs> Jenny was a friend of mine. My favorite. Yeah, the album. It is a great song. Mr. Brightside. Yeah, never played. Smile like you mean it. I love it. Not great mad song. about it. Oh, I love I'm not. That it's, song. it's good, but it's a bit. It's a bit overbearing. Uh, somebody told me better than Mr. Brightside. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. All these things that I have done. A song I fucking adore. So Great song. Adore yeah. that song. So it gets better and better every time you see it, and it's, it's used brilliantly in the terrible film Setland Tales. Incredible live. And then we fall off a cliff. <laughs> Andy, you're a star. Sammy, just Easy on top. Though. Then mm-hmm. aforementioned, change your mind isn't bad. Okay, how does that one go? Uh, I can't see. Come on, Craig. Like, if those first, obviously, like, those first five tracks, I presume, are side A on a vinyl. You don't need side B. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not flipping it over. Give me, not, give me the blank disc. Scratch my name into the back of the, or the, the second half of it. Yeah. Let me just momentarily go all that you can. And yeah, all, all you can't leave behind is ridiculously front-loaded as well. Like, you're just like, why? <laughs> all that you can't leave behind is beautiful day, mm-hmm. stuck in a moment you can't get out of, elevation, oh, okay. walk on, brilliant, kite, very good. In a little while, very underrated. Yeah, great song. Then you're into <laughs> Wild Honey, which I think is them doing a weird little Rolling Stones kind of folks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pastiche thing. Peace on Earth, which I think is Couldn't tell you drags. anything about when it. When I look at the world. No. New York. Do you know New York? No. Oh, it's like basically <laughs> a Bono poem at like, just moved to New York. And he's like, the sights and sounds, the avenues, uh, you know, going to a fucking deli. <laughs> like it's all that kind of stuff. Uh, Grace, the ground beneath her feet isn't bad. That's a good yeah. one. That's that was on the film, wasn't it? The million dollar hotel that nobody saw that Bono produced or something. No, I don't know about that. I think um, it was. Yeah. See, Inhaler put out a new album there last week. Yeah, did it go to number one? I think so. Uh, no, or the academic. No, no, that'd be iterations. The academic went to number one. Uh, Inhaler will go to number one, I presume, when this podcast comes out. I did it, see was the Eli saying like I kind of hope it doesn't because you have to pay for your. 
your plaque that you get. When you get you, whoa, like, is that true? Yeah, there was a quote there on Twitter where he's like, saying it's like <laughs> it's about fucking it's about five hundred quid, so maybe it's better if we don't do it. That's very <laughs> funny. Like, oh, that's very funny. There was a video of them touring the vinyl pressing factory and they're wearing hard hats. I'm like like Alan Partridge, yeah, his book, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. pulped, yeah. or like Wayne's World uh, when they're doing the YMCA oh, thing, yeah, yeah. which is a very feel good scene by the way. In Wayne's World too. Uh, Inhaler, yeah, I listened to it. It's fine. I mean, like, like it's the Irish Times was like, oh, you know, there's enough here to suggest that the third album could be good, and I'm like, oh, we have that with the first one mm. it's fine uh, there was one track though and I know like lazy journalism etc but fuck me there's one track on it where I was like did Bono take the microphone on this one it's ludicrous how much really? they sound the same yeah again nice lads interviewed them a couple of times they seem like great fun they were the yeah, two times really, I interviewed really them because because look the inhaler thing there's obviously a lot of fucking like oh Nepo baby bullshit you know and it's like I don't care like would it would would you prefer that Elijah Houston works an office job like who gives a shit yeah I don't care like, it's the Nepo baby thing in, 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 terrible phrase you're a Jeff in, Bunkley, Nepo baby <laughs> in, I don't give a fuck like like I don't care if someone has a leg up because of who they're like I I just I just just don't care if you're born into it as well how are you gonna avoid that and to, and, and to elaborate further right to be fair like for any kind of you know Irish musicians who don't have their platform who might be listening to this or anybody or whatever like, like I don't think that they're blocking you I don't think that like Inhaler doing well and having a record deal means that well your band won't get one I don't think it means that I, I, I think it's fine for them to exist and at least they're saying the academic can beat them to number one <laughs> they seem like nice guys as well I'm <laughs> joking the academic are the nicest blokes mm-hmm. shout outs to the lads you can't backtrack on this <laughs> yeah one. I just did <laughs> don't worry academic I'm going to kick him off the show forever <laughs> for, but like the Inhaler thing yeah it's just like it's a constant conversation I wish the music was a little bit better I saw them live a couple of times they were good you know, and I've interviewed a couple of times. They were nice. I don't know. It's a, it's inoffensive to me, but inoffensive in rock music is a problem. So I hope the third album is better. But whatever. Okay. Killers uh, though, yeah. Killers, good band. Not not a classic album. <laughs> Dead air there was great. <laughs> not, not, not a classic. A, not album. a classic. Well, album. that was my that was my silver medal. So what's yours? Um, so my silver medal is. So in terms of classic albums, this is. <laughs> Me talking about how much I love this album would probably anger Michelle's owner because it's a real hipster. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's the misunderstood album, just as they were kind of on their slide out of kind of commercial appeal. And it's dark and it's interesting and actually, you know, contains some genius from their primary songwriter as he started to lose his mind. And it also contains this track from not their primary songwriter. The violence spread down south to where Jackson State brother. said about it and really next to nothing done the pen is mightier than the sword but no match for a gun when there's a riot going on when there's a riot going on when there's a riot going on cause a student Like, was he commissioned to write a fucking, like, for Boardwalk Empire for a scene oh or something? Oh my Christ. It is the Beach Boys. More specifically, it's Mike Love, everyone's favourite <laughs> awful, awful villainous musician. I mean, it sounds like Jack... Scumbag Mike Love. Like, I can't believe it's not Jack White. I can't believe that. Like. It's been so long since we mentioned Mike Love on the show. Oh, oh my, my God. God, I had to include it. So Surf's Up is the album. Um, it was 1971. Um, the Beach Boys have been on the slide. Um... 
And actually, they turned in one of their best records. It's gorgeous. It's kind of minor key. It's dark. It's got that weird kind of innocent thing that they've got going on. Carl Wilson started writing some absolutely beautiful songs on it. Um, Mike Love wrote this. <laughs> so this was like his attempt to engage with the politics of the time and like the cultural and social revolution. And um, people will probably know that like Mike Love is like a Republican, conservative, absolute piece of shit. Um, so this was him like talking about um, like a multitude of different kind of happenings and stuff. So Berkeley's free speech movement, um, Jackson State killings, the People's Park kind of thing, the Kent State shootings. And he decided to write about the write a lyric about all of these things, set it to a fucking Lieber and Stoller song from the 1950s. So the tune isn't even his. It's Riot in Cell Block number nine. And then just like, I, I guess he's kind of copying the arrangement of Revolution, the Beatles song, or like back in the USSR kind of vibe. And <laughs> the lyrics to this are just like, his his thesis seems to be, um, everyone's a bit sick of like people getting uppity, right? And you're just going to get probably shot. And listen, the police are scared because you students are a bit scary. So everyone just calm down. Um, it's absolutely horrendous. Um, I love that, like the title student demonstration time is very um, latest record project volume one. Um, I'm surprised actually Mike Love hasn't come out with a like anti-pandemic lockdown record. <laughs> it just seems like it'd be right up the street. That we know of, yeah. I don't know how it an- ended up on the, the album um, because apparently the band's manager at the time was saying that like it had myself and Carl blushing with embarrassment. Dennis Wilson was thoroughly disgusted <laughs> and walked out. Brian also disliked the song, saying that the lyrical content was too intense for him, Pharrell Brian at the time. And yeah, just my glove, everything he touches turns to absolute shit. It gave me an opportunity this week to revisit some of his multitude of interviews where he gives himself credit for like writing the word excitations in good vibrations. Um, if you can claim any credit whatsoever to, to be on that song, even in the most tangential You do it? 1%. Well, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, it's like the last bar of acceptable. Oh. Do you know what I mean for claiming the credit there? And uh, the last bar of acceptable sounds like an album by. Glenn mm. Hanser Jack L, uh, Jack L. <laughs> By the way just to throw back to my I was on the radio talk about songs that make you happy or whatever uh, Good Vibrations was the number one song in that study apparently um, That'll work Yeah that'll do it for you Vanilla Sky ruined it for me though because it's got that scene where you know the big reveal happens and he's in big disarray and Good Vibrations is playing ironically Anyway mm. wrap it up man because we got to get out of here yeah, no, just like I, even Beach Boy fans don't seem to love us. There was a really kind of um, cogent point made um, from some fan online just saying that like the, the follow-up track of this is a Carl Wilson song, um, Feel Flows, which is fucking wonderful and everyone should check it out. But yeah, the line is, when Feel Flows starts up, it's like plunging into an ice-cold lake after being set on fire. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> that sounds kind of great. Yeah, Jesus. Um, all right, number one for me in the Bad Songs on Classic Albums. Uh, I mentioned problematic people earlier on. Let's go. Wake up, I like to go again. When I go to work, she gotta call it in. She can't go to work saying clothes again. And I heart coated in the soles of men. Louboutin on the toes again. Tight dress desert close to him. 
Jesus just rose again. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. I mean, I did not enjoy it on Adam Speakers there, but uh, uh, Send It Up by Kanye West off Jesus. Uh, my problem with this is this and the preceding song, Guilt Trip, have always stood out to me as the reasons why Yeezus can't be considered a perfect five-star album. Yeah. It's pretty close. Uh, it feels like the thread is undone and that Kanye has mostly stepped off and given the mic over to his mates with varying degrees of success. Uh, I will say that over time, both songs, particularly Guilt Trip, have grown on me a little bit. Yeah. But I still find them out of place and momentum derailing. I mean, am I mistaken? I'm willing to listen to arguments. I can't believe you've put me in a position now where I'm going to be, like, defending Kanye West. <laughs> God damn you. You don't leave I, I, easy. I, I like this. No, I had the same struggle as you in terms of um, when it came out, it took me a while to get into this. Now, I've, I, well, maybe not now because I haven't gone back to, surprisingly, I haven't gone back to Yeezus very recently. But um, there was a good period there where I was just like, I love the mess and the sprawl and the ugliness of it. And I think you need this kind of stuff on it to really fulfill its potential as... Yeah, the fucking glorious monstrosity that it is. Uh, <laughs> Look, I think we can just dis- yeah. like I think we can discuss Kanye's work at a time when he was more palatable, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah that, was, that was something I was. And this album means too. a lot to me. Like this is the album that made Jesus me that made me go. Yeah. Wait a minute, I've been missing out on so much gold. And the first time I heard it, it was like an electric charge. I remember listening to Black Skinhead on repeat for fucking two hours, and I love the album. Uh, I think you can make the argument. In terms of this song, you could say that Yeezus is such a dark and delirious head trip, like a form of a living nightmare, that the digressions and the detours do actually hold a place in its sprawling narrative. Life of Pablo, which follows this, of course, is a much more sprawling narrative, but as contained and compact as Yeezus does seem, uh, it does feel like a tighter, heavier, murkier version of Kanye's id at the time, in contrast to the mostly kind of sunshine and heaven-sent journey of Pablo. So maybe a random wandering like this is welcome, but... I think it just stands out, especially after what comes and what what follows it. It's certainly not of the quality of some of the stuff on. No, it. not at all. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's yeah over time. And I haven't I haven't listened to that much Kanye in recent weeks. But I'm not like you know just so everyone knows. I do still listen to him. I haven't cut the thread off completely. Mm-hmm. I I still hope for some kind of you know peaceful and harmonious resolution for him, and that he you know stands up and apologizes for all the bad stuff he's been saying and doing lately and yeah. I still but I but he means a lot to me as an artist and his music means a lot to me and this album was pivotal uh, when it came out in terms of me going holy shit turns out he's fucking brilliant uh, but this song is not in my opinion but I will say it's not as bad as I once thought it was D- I, I, ditto guilt trip but they're just they 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 really are like it's it's it is, it's, yeah. a, it's a wobble it's a big wobble um I did consider drunken hot girls from graduation for this one a suggestion by Richard Chambers by the way because everyone always mentions it as like maybe up until like during his kind of glorious run that was the one track that wasn't kind of on a par and obviously the lyrics are weird and so I gave it a listen this week and I'm like actually no it's all right musically it's all right I thought about it's pretty good I thought about Robocop off uh, 808s but I actually quite like it yeah I quite like it yeah it's very good artist yeah Um. and and also having having one set on the show that Nine Inch Nails have no bad songs I obviously couldn't pick them could I that's my number one Here's a man as my number one that you uh, it's kind of think probably doesn't have any bad songs. He famously was spent years, sometimes even decades, crafting his songs. The thought of him spending anything more than a half an hour crafting this deeply upsets me. Jesus taken joyous by a few. 
Leonard, Leonard, Leonard. <laughs> what were you thinking? Dearly departed Leonard Cohen with Jazz Police. Um, <laughs> the grocer of despair himself. The music police should have arrested him for that one. <laughs> Very good. It's from the 1988 album I'm Your Man, which would be my favourite Leonard Cohen album. <laughs> you got Jazz Police. There's only like eight tracks on it and everything except for this is like a masterpiece. Everybody knows... Uh, first we take Manhattan, take this wall. Like, it's just, it was probably the moment that he arrested maybe a kind of commercial career slide and like reinvented himself as like his latter day form of like a bit sardonic and dark and, you know, talking about how everything's coming to a head, but finding the kind of beauty and humor in it and just being his kind of like old wise man Leonard persona with that like newly gravelly voice. And bringing in those synths, which on this are so, so tinny and dated and horrendous. And you've got that bass that's just running around, causing mischief. It's horrendous. It's, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, it, it reminded me of when I was a kid, I had a Simpsons tape. It was all like Simpsons characters singing songs and stuff. And Homer did a cover of Born Under a Bad Sign. <laughs> And I think it was musically more accomplished than this. Very similar. <laughs> <laughs> what was he thinking? He was in the, I, hey, he was in the barbershop quartet, man. That guy's got range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The B sharps. Um, yeah, this is like I, I said recently enough on the show that like people don't often get that Leonard Cohen was um, very witty and like there's a lot of humor in the songs. I think he's doing this as like kind of a jokey song, and I'm like, ah, oh, just falls flat. And it's like an in-joke. I think it was to do with, he was playing with like a, a fusion group at the time and they'd keep trying to work in bits of jazz and he'd be like, don't be doing that, lads. The jazz police will get you. And they'd be all like, ah, ha, ha. And it becomes a song. Really? You've got eight tracks and you're putting this on? It's just, it's the one, it's such, if this wasn't on that record, you're looking at one of the greatest records of all time. Okay, um, can we wrap up with uh, something uh, I forgot to mention at the start of the show? Because yes, uh, Hozier uh, is back in town, <laughs> and he actually he put out a, a some press shots again. He put up a press shot that looked like he was sitting in uh, like a level from Tekken, where you fight Devil Jin or something. It pretty cool. It did not look cool. Um, he <laughs> I saw someone compare to Beat Ray Cyrus. That was Michael Pope. Yeah, doing, uh, Michael Pope. Shout out to to Mick. Yeah, doing, doing the, the much, much to think, think about. about. Well, he's just as we record, he's just announced an EP for the. For, for St. Patrick's Day and it's called Eat Your Young Hozier oh, no. Hozier what are you doing? Oh god, oh, god. <laughs> The least uh, I don't know I don't know um, Can I wrap up by saying that I got some good suggestions when I put this on Twitter for the for the bad songs on classic albums because yeah. there was a couple that stood out to me um, A lot of people said Fitter Happier by Radiohead no, uh, Brilliant It's really good <laughs> Yeah you can, you can just rapid fire your reactions okay. to these um, What have we got here? Fitter Happier yeah um, Rape Me from in utero. Interesting. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't uh, even think um, of that. That's a good shout. Chop Me Up on Future Sex Love Sounds. I don't even know I don't that. I, I love that album, so I can't have a bad word said about it. <laughs> uh, Fill Your Heart by David Bowie. Fill Your Heart's on... Hunky Dory, I think. Hunky Dory. 
Kooks is on Hunky Dory as well, which isn't great. Congratulations off the Travelling Wilburys first album. Um, I don't think any of us are familiar with them. Diggsy's Dinner on Definitely Maybe. I like Diggsy's Dinner. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. That's the one. Like this one is like these could be the best days of a life. Like it's it's fine. Someone it's, did suggest a Nine Inch Nails song, Starfuckers Inc. from the Fragile, saying it's totally out of place lyrically. I think it might be, but I still think it's a really good song. Uh, Run away from High Violet by the National. I don't love that album. I have to say, no. uh, Joe Panama, friend of the show, says Don't Stop on Rumors feels out of place to me. I never liked Don't Stop, but I think it might be because it was so popular and it's like wasn't it like Bill Clinton's campaign song? I just associate. Joe also person. says, Darling Nikki on Purple Rain. I like Darling Nikki. And he also says, people will say, welcome to the machine off, wish you were here, but they're wrong. I really love that song. Unfortunately. David Tapley, of course, steals in with Rainy Day Women, 12 and 35. That would have been number one, but that was in my list of um, songs I hate by artists I love. Yeah, fucking hell. The opening of one of the best albums of all time starts. To skip the opening every time is truly something. Let down on OK Computer. Hot take. What? Yeah, spicier than Ed Sheeran's hot sauce. Uh, now, a lot of people, a lot of people have now that has risen. That's now like the revolver of that record, where people will be like, "Well, actually, Let Down is the best track in the album." It is not, but it is far from bad. And finally, maybe the hottest take I got uh, from Mark Commons, who says, "Fake plastic trees and high and dry on the bends." Fake plastic trees. I actually also really like High and Dry, but I know the band hate it, but they're wrong. He also says Paradise City by <laughs> Paradise City uh, by Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Destruction. There's loads of stuff in that record I hate. But here's <laughs> but here's here's here's, uh, here's the big one. You ready? Yeah. Everybody hurts by Orem. Absolutely auto- not. Ha- automatic for the people. Just I, overplayed. Great song. He I'm not says, having that. Yeah. Uh, Mark elaborates a cloying, offensively saccharine own goal of a track. Own goals go to from say. one of the greatest bands of the generation. Oh, it's won me over there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's the top five for the week and that is the show for this week. And we are going to run now and watch hopefully Man United beat Barcelona. That'll be nice. United! After, <laughs> after Liverpool's hilarious collapse the other night, that was so much fun. Okay, now you've just jinxed it. <laughs> I probably have, yeah. I probably fucking have now. So you'll know by the time this comes out. And uh, that's the show for now, everybody. We'll be back next week uh, after I go to see Young Fathers at the Olympia oh, Theatre. Yeah. That's coming up. up. All right. Um, much love everybody peace and, and love peace, peace and, love. and love my name is Dave Hanratty this has been No Encore there will be No Encore Craig is still here yeah. back next week baby yeah.